Hi, I'm Stevie Howitt. I support Progress Texas because I think people need a narrative to help them understand what's going on right now. And if progressives don't provide it, then somebody else will. And the folks who are doing it on the other side are full of lies and misinformation and conspiracy theories. It's Tuesday, September 26, 2023, and this is the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch. Rapid response on the breaking news stories Texas progressives need to know. I'm Chris Mosier. Your daily reminder that while he's definitely feeling smug about his impeachment win, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton still faces legal challenges. Taylor Goldenstein at the Houston Chronicle writes that the group of whistleblowers from within the Paxton AG's office who put the impeachment in motion say they'll be continuing their legal fight against their former boss in real court following what amounted to a pardon by Republicans in the Texas Senate. Blake Brickman, the former Deputy Attorney General for Policy and Strategy Initiatives and fellow former Deputy Attorney Generals Mark Penley and Ryan Vassar, held a news conference at the Texas Capitol yesterday. They had reached a tentative $3.3 million settlement agreement with Paxton's office early this year, but the Texas House refused to fund it, instead opting for the impeachment effort. That lawsuit is now pending before the Texas Supreme Court. Meanwhile, Ken Paxton's also looking to get paid. He's seeking nearly four months of back pay for the time that he was sidelined by the impeachment and directed his first assistant AG, Brent Webster, to fire off a letter to Texas Comptroller Glenn Hagar, whom Paxton has been trashing lately during a tour of right-wing talk shows, demanding what Philip Jankowski at the Dallas Morning News says would amount to about $50,000. Webster's note right off the bat contains threats to sue should Hagar have any question about ponying up. Speaking of the Texas Attorney General's office, an interesting piece from William Malhado at the Texas Tribune shed some light on that recent string of appeals that the AG has issued to block the blocking of new state laws that have run afoul of the courts since the end of the regular legislative session. Laws regarding emergency care for critically problematic pregnancies, the abolishing of Harris County's elections chief position, and the banning of transition-related medical care for transgender youth were all brought into question by the courts, but then allowed to take effect anyway due to an uncommon provision in Texas state law that allows the attorney general to supersede a state judge's order. This is the supersedious rule, a provision rarely engaged until lately, which is intended to prevent legal challenges from upending the status quo before a full legal case plays out. Malhado writes that lawyers whose victories in court have been overturned by the provision argue that it weakens the separation of powers between the branches of government and has created chaos for Texans subject to these new laws. The supersedious provision is rare in other U.S. states, but there is at least one other state that also extends this rule to its attorney general and where a number of similar legal battles are unfolding now, and that state is Florida. Interesting and frustrating read in the show notes. Speaking of the courts, a bit of a surprise, especially considering that just yesterday we were talking about Amarillo-based federal judge Matthew Kazmarek, known for multiple rulings eroding abortion and reproductive care rights, moving into the area of drag shows, having supported an Amarillo-area college and banning them. 
The surprise is a win for the Biden administration coming from that very same court yesterday. Khaled Rahman at Newsweek says Kazmarek, a Trump appointee, considering a case brought by more than two dozen Republican-led states led by Texas and Ken Paxton, challenging the U.S. Labor Department rule that allows employee retirement plans to consider environmental, social, and governance, or ESG, factors when making investment decisions and having resisted efforts by the White House to allow this case to be transferred to another court, Kazmarek ended up siding with the Biden administration, concluding that the investment rule doesn't violate federal law. The language of the complaint bemoans the potential loss of revenue by fossil fuel producers should companies be allowed to invest their retirement funds in renewable energy. That's a win for the environment. On the recent migrant crisis at the border, continued efforts to transfer migrants further into the U.S. interior by bus, as we mentioned yesterday on the part of local officials in El Paso, who say the migrants they're shipping out have been given a choice in the matter and have been well taken care of. And on the other hand, continued efforts by state officials to overload sanctuary cities like New York and L.A. with unannounced busloads of underfed and sometimes sick migrants. The Los Angeles Daily News reports that a 16th such bus since June arrived in L.A. yesterday from Texas, carrying 23 adults and 15 children from Colombia, Ecuador, Honduras, and Venezuela. Representatives of the L.A. Welcomes Collective, who have been receiving these migrants, say some of them on arrival had not eaten for days. And Lauren Irwin at The Hill writes that buses loaded with migrants and chartered by Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the Texas Division of Emergency Management traveled from Del Rio and Eagle Pass over the weekend to New York City. In spite of claims by New York Mayor Eric Adams that his city is being overwhelmed by its growing migrant crisis, Adams' office reports that well over 100,000 new migrants have arrived in New York since last year. New statistical data to share this morning that doesn't generally paint a pretty picture of the Lone Star State, unfortunately. Madeline Mendoza at Axios writes that the use of assault weapons with high-capacity magazines in mass shootings has continued to rise in Texas, with 9 of 14 of mass shootings in Texas since 2016 involving that weapons platform, the highest in the country and almost double the national average of 35%. This according to the Smoking Gun database by Everytown, a group co-founded by former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg that advocates for gun restrictions. They also cite Michael Sierra Arevalo, an assistant professor at the University of Texas at Austin, who has studied guns and gun policy, who says that Texas's gun culture often revolves around the perception of assault weapons as a tangible symbol of a person's stance on gun rights and political alignment a perception that's been fostered and entrenched in part by marketing from firearms manufacturers. Another frustrating but important read in the show notes. While we're talking ugly Texas stats, here's another one. Christopher Adams at KXAN-TV in Austin writes that Texas also ranks highly amongst U.S. states most impacted by natural disasters. We're number three behind only Mississippi and Louisiana. This is from a Wallet Hub study that considered the number of natural disasters since 1980 that have caused at least $1 billion in damages as well as the damage cost per capita. No other state saw a higher number of individual billion-dollar disasters, a mind-boggling 167 of them since 1980 right here in Texas. On the list, February of 2021's winter storm Uri, 14 tropical cyclones, including Hurricane Harvey in 2017, which inflicted almost $155 billion in damage, 18 droughts, 9 floods, and 7 wildfires. That, my friends, is exhausting. 
And while we're on the topic of nature's wrath, Alejandro Martinez at the Texas Tribune reports that toxic red tide algae has returned to the Texas coast for the first time since 2018. In multiple sections of the Texas Gulf Coast, including the upper coast around Galveston Bay and the lower Laguna Madre in the Rio Grande Valley, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department believes that at least two fish kills on our coast this year have been associated with red tide and that it's not good for swimmers either. And further, these toxins can become airborne in areas close to the coastline. Good gosh, with all of that, let's close with some good news, shall we? And maybe a drink, too. Texas Craft Brewers killed it over last weekend at the annual Great American Beer Festival in Denver, statewide bringing home 19 medals. That's up from recent years. Congratulations to the fine Texas brewmasters at Houston's True Anomaly Brewing Company, St. Arnold Brewing Company, and Carbach Brewing Company, San Antonio's Second Pitch Beer Company, Long Tab Brewing Company, and Roadmap Brewing Company, Austin's Lazarus Brewing Company and Vacancy Brewing, Rowlett's Bankhead Brewing Company, The Colony's Windmills Brewery, Blanco's Real Ale Brewing Company, Dripping Springs' Family Business Beer Company, Driftwood's Lone Man Mountain Brewing Company, and Columbus's Hound Song Brewing Company. Way to go all on a job well done. I'd say it's time for a Texas tasting tour. Let's go. And that's the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch for this Tuesday, September 26th, 2023. Links to all these original stories can be found in our show notes. Thanks to your support, our podcasts are now within the top 5% for listenership in the entire world. Please consider helping us continue our important work by joining our ongoing membership drive at progresstexas.org. I'm Chris Mosier. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again tomorrow.